Hello, hello, and good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the lovely podcast, God's Holy Word, and this is episode 21. So we're moving right along here. Today I want to take a look at some different verses in chapter 3 of 1 Samuel. So this is getting really interesting because now we're really learning more about the role of Eli and also the role in the beginning of Samuel's role. So basically Eli is Samuel's mentor and guide. And so Eli it's kind of like it's similar to John the Baptist and Jesus where John the Baptist goes before Jesus, kind of prepares the way and then Jesus comes after him and so it's kind of similar here kind of a foreshadowing. So if I had to compare people here, Eli is more like John the Baptist and Samuel is more like Jesus Christ in terms of this because Eli um was there before Samuel and Eli is kind of preparing the way for Samuel. So but here in chapter 3 we see that Eli is losing his sight. So he he's getting old. And so Samuel is there to help him and at this point in time Samuel does not know the Lord, meaning he does not recognize God's voice. He doesn't recognize that calling yet. Like he's learning everything that a priest does. He's learning all the things um that possibly a prophet would do. He's learning all these things from Eli, but God has not revealed himself to him yet. So basically he hasn't re- received his his inner sight. Like it's interesting like Eli is losing his physical sight. But Samuel here in this chapter will receive that inner sight of being a prophet. So this is really good. So it says here that the Lord called Samuel and he answered here I am. This happens 3 times and 3 times or actually 2 times um Samuel goes to Eli and says here I am you called me. And Eli tells him no I didn't call you go back to bed. So this happens again and again and so finally Eli realizes that it's God calling him. It's God calling the child. So Eli advises him the next time you hear someone call you Say here I am Lord speak thy servant is listening. So here's the thing. What really got my attention with this is that sometimes we have people in our life that get it and some people that don't. What's interesting is that Eli he missed it the first couple times and you know the first time it could be legitimate, you know, but he knows that he's training a child in the Lord. So I mean I would think that he would know that at some point God is going to call Samuel by name by his name and start his mission so to speak start his work so but what's nice about this example here is that Eli does realize this of just a probably just 10 or 15 minutes I'm guessing it probably wasn't that long for the child to go back to sleep and then be called again and again by the Lord but what's nice about this is that Eli did recognize that something very unique and special and spiritual was happening here and that God was putting a calling on Samuel's life. And what's nice about this and what really warms my heart with it is that Eli did the right thing and advised him and acknowledged the fact that God is calling him. And I love this because the church I was raised in and I'm not going to say the name of the church cuz I'm not here to shame or blame or anything but The church that I was raised in did not really value children. And the church I was raised in just did not believe in signs, miracles, wonders. They didn't believe that miracles really happened anymore. If something did happen, it was a fluke. If you were healed, it must have been the doctor. It couldn't have been God. I mean, it was just really extreme. It was really weird. Even though they were reading the Bible, they weren't really reading the goodness of God. They weren't really acknowledging all that God can do. So what I love about this example here is that Eli didn't poo-poo it so to speak. He didn't say, "Would you stop bothering me? Would you just go back to sleep? Why do you have to be like all these other kids?" Like he didn't talk down to him. Not once. It doesn't say anywhere in this passage that he talked down to him and treated him like a child. He was training him. He knew he was a child, but he was a mentor to him. And see, here's the thing. I can think of so many adults I've come across in my life as a little kid that they just had this horrible opinion of children. It's like they couldn't stand them. I'm like, "Why do you have kids if you hate them? And why do you have children if you don't really care about them? If you don't want them to grow up to be good people, to be good adults?" It, you know, children, the way that we were viewed when I was little, of course, I'm here in the Bible Belt, 
It was like children should be uh, should be seen and not heard, but even more extreme, the adults it's like they didn't want to see you or hear you. It was really kind of cruel sometimes. I'm not saying all adults were like that, but that was very common in the Bible belt. Very common here in Oklahoma. It's like if you're a kid you're nothing. It it was weird. And so what was interesting was that you know, we have these extreme Christians that think that way about kids, at least back when I was, you know, a little baby when I was little. But yet we have these laws on the books in terms of the state that a minor is a minor and they do have value. and they need to be guarded and protected but there are some people they just really didn't care about their kids and they beat them so it was it was very much a different time so whenever i see where an adult is being kind to a child and actually training them actually giving them a chance to understand that they don't know everything that's one thing that bothered me as a kid is i would ask a question and sometimes i would get this hostility from adults whether I'd be at school or at church or anywhere it was like it's like I was a nuisance or a pest and they didn't want to tell me the answer and they may not have known the answer but they should just said I don't know hey let's let's figure it out but they didn't want to be bothered that's the thing they're just like oh you're such an annoying kid or something like that Eli did not do that he valued Samuel and he knew that that he was special and that God had a calling for him He could have just said go back to bed, stop bothering me, but he didn't do that. So I love it when we see that there is respect that goes both ways. See, the way I was raised was that it was like adults could do no wrong. But yet it was almost always the adults that were committing crimes and hurting people and killing people. Like we don't have a bunch of serial killers that are minors. I can't even think of one. But we have a, almost all of our serial killers are adults and a lot of them are men. Most of them are men. So does that really make me think that adults really know always how to behave? No. Does that mean you should always trust adults? No. So to trust somebody really means a lot. So it's one of those things where it's you have a relationship here between a mentor and a child. The mentor is recognizing that God has a calling on this young man's life. and it's his responsibility to be good and kind to him and to raise him in a in a manner that is part of his calling like Eli knows that you know his life is slowly coming to an end that doesn't mean it's completely over with but he knows that he's losing his eyesight but that he still has a calling as well he still has a destiny to fulfill and part of his destiny is to help Samuel and to help him recognize who the Lord is and when God calls him and to grow in that holiness to grow in that fellowship with the Lord. See, I think one of the biggest mistakes adults can make, especially in our day and age, is to not practice fellowship and to not teach fellowship to the young, even if it's not your child. You know, you don't have to join a mentor program to be a mentor. Like you you don't have to take on all this responsibility, do all this training. It's just basic everyday behavior. and it starts with showing children respect that doesn't mean they're over you but it just means children need to be taught things and if they're not taught and if they're just talked down to how do we really think they're going to be able to grow up and be good and kind people so it's important to recognize that mentors do have a place but so do children now what's interesting is that on the extreme side of that is sometimes you have kids that are so spoiled and think they're just God's gift to humanity that they're stuck up snobs and they act like they can't ever do anything wrong well who raised them that way their parents they have all these toys they have an iPhone iPad iPod laptop a tablet and it's like they're just constantly entertained and then you have parents that are running themselves ragged by taking their kids to all these different events. I mean, there are some kids these days they are on every team possible. And I'm like that is crazy. My sister and I, we were maybe allowed to play one or two sports a year. Like we had to pick. And then the rest, rest of the time we spent at home or we were at school or we we spent time together as a family. What's interesting is that kids these days, they are being raised in a in a entertainment kind of way. 
And the parents are basically turning themselves into chauffeurs. Like just just making them a driver. They're turning themselves into a professional driver for their kids and they just drive their kids everywhere. To all these different things and it's like they have no family life. Well, guess what? If you have no family life, there's no training there. There's no stability really because then you've got these kids that grow up. They are constantly expecting to be pampered and to be entertained. Well, that's not real life. So it's really interesting that we have these extremes. So being that I've seen these extremes in our everyday life, I really take notice when I see a very good relationship and I see a good mentorship, I see really good fellowship. And I see where an adult recognizes that you know yes, this is a child, yes, he is the next prophet, but he still is a child. He's not a grown man yet. He still needs to be treated like a child, but he also needs to be trained and what he's going to be doing for a living or be taught at least how to get there how to grow in that that's very important because i think a lot of children these days they're missing out on the fellowship of mankind they're 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 missing out on the fellowship within society and then i i you know it really concerns me because the first thing i thought of was the high suicide rate amongst young people and also the the high rate of anxiety and depression amongst minors we did not used to have these high of rates we just didn't but it's like the more we rely on technology instead of actually being the adults of society the more problems we're having so i think it's good to limit this is a side note i think it's good to limit your kids um time on any kind of on any kind of uh, social media or any kind of device limited to 30 minutes a day because i think the national average is like 4 to 6 hours a day that's insane no wonder their brain is overstimulated like it's like kids don't need to be overstimulated like they're already hyper as it is because they're kids they're growing like they have all this energy and their metabolism runs a lot quicker than an adult there's a reason why it's because they're growing so i would think that as adults we would take ownership of being good mentors regardless of our walk in life and you're like i don't have any kids but whenever i am around kids i always make it a point to really be on my best behavior not that i have bad behavior but i always want to be the responsible adult i always want to make sure that if ever they have a question that i'm able to answer and if i don't know the answer i tell them the truth i don't know the answer let's find it you know this is a great opportunity to research something like be an example is what i'm trying to say and here we see that eli is a really good example so then it goes on to say let's see here Oh, I love this part. It says in verse 10, this really jumped out at me. It said, "And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times Samuel, Samuel." That is very direct. Like the Lord knows our name and he calls us by our name. That means that we we have fellowship with God and he knows us as an individual. He doesn't know us as a family he doesn't know us as a society he doesn't know us as a community he doesn't know us as a country he knows you and me as an individual because we are an individual we are a part of society we are a part of our state our country our world our community those things are very important but one of the best things to really build your relationship with Christ and with God is to know who you are as a person as an individual because God created you and said it's beautiful. When I realized that, I stopped trying to change myself all the time because I was getting exhausted because it just kind of feels like at least in American society it's like we're always trying to do these self-help things all the time. And I'm not dissing those things. Sometimes those are great books to read and every once in a while I come across a good one. Most of them just irritate me, but Every once in a while I come across a good one but it's just I don't want to be who the world wants me to be I want to be who God wants me to be And I think that's also a great testament to Eli He was raising and guiding Samuel to be who God wanted him to be not who Eli or the world wanted him to be 
Eli was helping Samuel become who God wanted him to be. That's how all of us should be. The only thing we can really do in our life is be who God wants us to be because when we know who we are in Christ Jesus, we're not fearful, we don't have anxiety, we don't have anger, we don't have all this other stuff that that can arise when we're unhappy. Because when we're following what God wants us to do and we realize who we are as a person, our personality, our likes, our dislikes, things like that, those things are very important because those things are not accident. Those things are are the way that God made us. He was very intentional the way he made each and every one of us because we were purposely made unique. And we see that here in the first book of Samuel in the 3rd chapter where Eli knows that not only is he unique, but Samuel is unique. And there's technically a calling on everybody's life. But it's very important that we recognize the calling on our own life. So that way we can help someone else with the calling on their life and lead them to Christ or lead them to God, whatever the case may be. So that's really important because if we're not, how do I word this? If we don't realize who we are in Christ Jesus and we don't realize how God made us, it's very difficult to help others realize who they are and kind of light that fire inside of them. You know that that Holy Spirit calling. It's it's one of those things that. We have to walk the walk and talk the talk so we can help others draw closer to Christ. Because if we're not fulfilling our duty as a Christian, then how can we help others get to heaven? And it is a duty, and I don't mean that in like yes, we are in the in the army of Christ, but that doesn't mean it's like a militia. That's not meant to be negative, but that's just what it is. But part of our duty as Christians, part of our responsibility is to know who we are so that way we can help others with their road map that God gives them as opposed to us trying to figure out someone else's road map and trying to figure out their journey and tell them what to do that's not anyone's calling that's God's job like it it's not a harbor this well it's almost like you know when you go to Walmart or to a gas station and let's say you're on a road trip and you need a new map but You know, I remember back in the day, you had to buy like the the fold-out maps on paper. And you had to figure your figure out your route that way. Well, whenever you wanted to, you know, let's say for example, I am in Oklahoma and I want to get to Texas. Let's say I want to go to Austin, Texas. I'll just make something up. So let's say I want to get to Austin, Texas. How how would I go about getting there if I don't know how to get there? I would go buy a road map that's already created and it is given to me. right like technically I would purchase it from the gas station or wherever but my point is this like I need to be given that road map to get to where I need to go I wouldn't expect the gas station attendant or anybody else to just make up a new map and give it to me and be like well this is what I think you should do no it's already been predestined basically it's it's already there it doesn't need to be redone it's the same thing with our heavenly father He's the only one that knows our roadmap, our individual roadmap. So it's important that we build that relationship and that fellowship with God first. Because otherwise, we're going to be going to other people as our source for everything when they are not our source. Are they important? Yes, but God is more important. That doesn't put down the human race. That's not it at all. When we put God first, everything else falls into place. But Eli, he recognizes that he is not Samuel's source. He is Samuel's helper. He is Samuel's mentor. He is technically Samuel's guide, but it is Almighty God that has the destination for Samuel. And it's Almighty God that knows his road map. Because God knows where Samuel needs to go and where he wants him to go. That's very important there. The other thing that I really liked about verse 10 It said and the Lord came and stood and called as at other times Samuel Samuel. So it says basically the Lord visited Samuel. It says and the Lord came, meaning he went there to go see him. And it says and stood and called. Like that those are very action-packed verbs. He came, he stood, and he called. There's action there. So for those that think that God doesn't care, he doesn't really do much, say much, 
It's the complete opposite. We do not worship a distant God that doesn't care. If anything, we worship a God that is very close, very nearby, always with us, always loves us, and wants to have fellowship, and he wants to communicate with us every day of our lives. How neat would that be if you were in Samuel's place, and the Lord came to you, and stood before you, and called you by name? What a beautiful moment that is. That would just, I don't even know if I would know what to do. I mean, because we're looking at this retrospectively, right? Like, we're looking back in time. But when this actually happened, this was kind of a brand new event for Samuel. This was very intentional. This was very much God saying, I have a calling for you. And I love you so much, I'm going to visit you. I'm going to be right here before you. And I'm going to call you by name. That is a wonderful exchange between God and between Samuel. I mean, you know, I know what it's like to feel like God's not there. I know what it's like to feel like God is distant. But here's the thing. The reason why I felt that way was because I was taught that way. I was encouraged to think that way. See, it's It's a lie. To think that God doesn't really care, we're just down here on our own, we've got to figure things out all by ourselves. No, we don't have to figure anything out by ourselves. That doesn't mean we're babies and need a nanny, not by any means. It means that God is always with us and for us. If anything, that's a comfort. Because, I mean, I will admit straight up, I don't know everything. And I can't do everything. Especially not on my own, but with God... He makes the impossible possible. I love what Audrey Hepburn said. This is a quote. She said that in the word impossible is the word I'm possible, meaning I am possible. I love that. And for those that don't know much about Audrey Hepburn, I didn't know what all she went through. Um, she almost died at the hands of the Nazis. Her, her family did. They, they, well, they, they didn't die. They almost died at the hands of the Nazis. Um, they basically had to run for their lives, and they had to, um, they, at one point, they were starving to death. And she was little when this happened. She remembers it. And they had to, they basically were malnourished, underfed, so she didn't grow as much as other kids did because she was starved. And so her family and her, I don't know if she lost any brothers or sisters. I don't remember that part. But they, they fled. They were able to get away. And eventually she ended up in the United States and became an actress. And in case you don't know who she is, she was in My Fair Lady. She was in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Um, she was in several, several other films. I can't think of the names. But those are the top two that I think of with that. But, you know, my eyes were really, really opened to her. I wasn't a fan of her um, as an actress, um, just because I don't really like a lot of her work. But when, um, it's just, I don't know, the genre that she was in. Like, I'm not a fan of My Fair Lady. I actually don't like that play or musical or whatever it is. Um, I also, one of the biggest reasons why I don't like it is because they dubbed her voice. I think she should have been able to sing all that. But they had another woman Sing all the parts. She just did all the speaking parts in My Fair Lady. I think that if you're going to cast somebody in a in a role, they need to be able to do the entire role. But she wasn't allowed to do that. They had somebody else do the singing part for her. Um, but anyway, I wasn't a huge fan of her work, really, until I, I knew her history. Sometimes I'm impressed with people. Sometimes I'm not. But when I understood what she went through, I was like, okay, now I understand. Now I understand. I don't know why, but a light bulb came on when I realized, you know, what all she'd gone through in her life. And um, it's just really a very interesting career that she had. And I think she died way too young. I think she died in her 50s or 60s. I think she had stomach cancer or something. She was actually in another country volunteering. I mean, she did amazing volunteer work. She loved people. She loved children. I mean, just a phenomenal woman. Just amazingly talented, too. And... Um, She she was actually over in another country doing volunteer work, and she got really sick. So she had to be brought uh, back home to the United States, 
And she was in the hospital, and that's when they found the cancer. And she did not have that long to live, unfortunately. Um, there are some cancers that when you catch them late, it makes it very tough to beat it. I don't think it's impossible, but for her, um, things did not go very well in terms of the course of the disease. Um, but what I love about Audrey Hepburn is her positive attitude and how she looked at life. Like she went through hell. She went through hell as a little girl. having to deal with the atrocities and the the evil the evil powers of Germany I mean she she barely made it out alive in some cases and so what i find interesting was that even though she went through a lot as a little girl as a child that didn't stop her from doing what she loved and i think she was a ballet dancer if i remember correctly and so she still went to a ballet school and then somehow gotten to acting and then um she was cast in a couple different roles and then i don't remember the film or the broadway play that like really brought her to the the spotlight really made her a star but i just think that is such a testament that that she did not give up i think that is so wonderful and just knowing that anything is possible with god anything that's why i love that quote that the word impossible says i'm possible. So if ever you're frustrated, just think about Audrey Hepburn. She did amazing things in her life. Just amazing woman. Just really really fascinating to me. But anyway, back to this. Uh back to um 1 Samuel chapter 3. This is down towards verse 19. It says and Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and did not let and did not let none of his words fall to the ground. So basically God's word is not void. It is always true. It it is always full of God's love. It is never dormant. It is never alienated. I love it that it says and Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. So that means that even children have a how word this that even children have a purpose. They are not just stupid little minors as they're treated sometimes especially here in Oklahoma which I can't stand that um all life has value all life from conception till natural death we see that right here because it says and Samuel grew and the Lord was with him so i think it's very interesting that sometimes we get really frustrated in our life and we think that the Lord is not there when he is you know sometimes feelings are true and sometimes feelings are false So whenever I'm feeling lonely or down or depressed or just kind of unsure about things, that's when I go to the Lord and guess what? He is always there and I love it. It's just wonderful because I can see it here that as Samuel grew, the Lord was with him. Meaning that the Lord just didn't say, "Okay, grow up and you know, you know, when you become an adult, when you're 18, when you're no longer a minor, that's when I'll take you seriously. That's when I'll listen to you because right now as a kid, you know, I really don't want to see you or hear you." just the opposite that's not how the lord treated him at all and the lord values all children all children this is wonderful and it says here in uh verse 20 and all israel from dan even to beersheba knew that samuel was established to be a prophet of the lord so that means all of israel and then like that entire territory that region from dan to beersheba They all knew. See, th- that's what's so interesting about our heavenly Father. He he has a calling on everybody's life because we're all called to holiness, right? So here we see that the Lord put a calling on Samuel's life. Eli helped him. Eli molded him, mentored him, guided him along the way. And when God puts a calling on your life and you're walking with God, you're walking with Christ. everyone is going to know that there's something different about you there's something different there's something unique because you're not acting as the world acts you're acting as how god wants you to act and for those that don't know who god is they recognize that you're different immediately because you're not acting like the rest of the world you're not acting like the rest of the people in the room There's something different about you. And so when people don't know who God is, they quickly learn who he is because they've met you. 
Because when you know God and you're walking with God, just your everyday life, walk with God, is a testament to how we are supposed to live. And technically, how we live is technically preaching the gospel when we are walking with God. Because sometimes the only... The only God or Jesus that people will meet or see in their life is is the Jesus in you and me. That may be the only exposure they have to 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 Christ, which is sad. But also it's an opportunity to help people and to help them realize that hey, you know, you don't have to be miserable. You don't have to be alone, you don't have to be fearful, you don't have to be anxious. That's why it says in God's holy word be anxious for nothing meaning there should be absolutely nothing on this planet that makes you anxious because you should know that you're in the palm of God's hand at all times meaning he's guarding and protecting you but what i love about verse 20 is that because Samuel grew and knew the Lord and the Lord knew him that that entire region knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord there was no mistake there was no doubt they knew there was something unique and special about him and it caught their attention that's amazingly beautiful i love that because i kind of feel like sometimes when when we don't know who we are in Christ we forget that we are unique and that God calls us by our name That tells me that God knows us and when he knows us he will have other people know us especially our adversaries and our enemies our enemies and our adversaries will know that we are guarded and protected by the Lord and there is nothing they can do to hurt us or harm us or take us down or take us out nothing he defangs them as we've talked about in the previous podcast there's a reason why the Lord defangs enemies and adversaries It's because they have no place in heaven if they act like that. If they repent, they can go to heaven. But if they don't, I mean, that's between them and God when they actually die. But I mean, God defangs them because God's holy word is true. It is powerful. That you know, our Lord is way more powerful than than any enemy we have, than any hardship, than than any disease, than than any. poverty or lack or whatever the case may be. We serve a mighty God with endless possibilities. Whatever we think is impossible is completely and totally possible with God. That man when I realized that, I stopped worrying about so many things. Every once in a while I'll worry I will worry about something and I catch myself doing it. I'm like, "Leslie, stop." That's the old way of handling things. The new way is to not worry at all and to know that you're provided for. So sometimes I have to correct myself. I'm just like anybody else. Sometimes I can fall into a trap of worrying about something and it's not worth it by any means. And I love the last verse in this chapter. It says, "And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord." You know, sometimes people will say that the Lord doesn't do miracles anymore and he doesn't really interact with human life anymore. That's not true. The number one way that the Lord appears to us is through his holy word. That that's what it means when when you're reading God's word and a light will come on in your head. And the Lord will start to speak to you and he will speak through your heart, through your mind, through your soul. It's almost like it's almost like a jig what's it called a jigsaw puzzle. You know like when you first buy a puzzle and you, and you you throw all the pieces on the table That's kind of like our life. It's in pieces, it's tattered, it's splattered all over the place. It's not pleasant to look at. People walk by and go, "Oh, not complete." Yeah, that doesn't look very good. The neg- the bitter betties, they can keep walking, right? But what God does, he speaks to us and he shows himself to us through his word. And when he does that, He's helping us put those pieces back together that no one else can do for us. How many times have I can't tell you how many times I've met people that their relatives are so mean to them. Like if they were ever a drug user or if ever they're an alcoholic, sometimes their families they just keep throwing it in their face all the time. I'm like, "Really? Like 
Stop doing that. The past is the past. Let it go. That person knows what they did or did not do. Give that person a chance to have a better life, but more importantly, give God a chance to work wonders and miracles in that person's life. Because God knows our path and and sometimes, actually most of the time, God is the only one that can put our puzzle back together. And sometimes he's the only one that wants us to be put back together. And sometimes God is the only one that wants us to be happy and blessed because sometimes people like to act like Pharisees and Sadducees and they want people to stay in a wreck or be ruined because they they think only one way about someone. They don't think it can never get better. When God it, he is the God of possibilities. He makes everything possible. So if you have something going on in your life that is just completely out of your control and it seems impossible, I say great. Give it to God. Watch him part the Red Sea for you. Take it up in prayer with him. Just tell him straight up what's going on. And it doesn't have to be a big performance prayer. You know, I pray a lot when I'm driving to and from work. Sometimes like if I'm in the drive-through at Taco Bell or McDonald's and I'm, I'm having to wait a while, you know, I don't mind at all these days. And I've just learned to to start talking to God. I start praying in my vehicle. And you know what? By the time I get up to the window, I've discussed so many things to God and he has comforted me and already given me ideas and guidance on how to handle that situation so that I'm getting my food and I'm paying for what I'm paying for my my meal then getting my food and it just it just flows on how how else to describe it it it's like I'm not even irritated about the situation that I'm in that I'm not getting my food the line's really slow they may have messed up my meal you know what it doesn't matter it doesn't bother me as much because I'm already in fellowship and I'm already in communication with God and my priorities are in order so if my priorities are already in order I'm not going to get irritated about something simple like a hamburger. So what if they messed it up? I can either scrape it off, whatever's on there, like ketchup, which I'm not a fan of ketchup on my burger, or I can just get a new one. It's not a big deal. They'll replace it. I'll be like, "Do you want this?" Because I can't eat it. <laughs> so, you know, it's just one of those things that I've learned not to worry about that stuff, and I don't get irritated. I I just love that I don't get irritated like I used to. I used to be touchy about that stuff because I used to have this mindset, "Well, I'm paying for this food. Why can't they just get it right?" I said the correct order. They had the correct order on the screen. Why is there a mistake? Th- that's how I used to think all the time because I'm very black and white, yes and no. But it's like, you know what? It never hurts to give the other person the benefit of the doubt, give them a chance to correct it because more than likely they've just given you the wrong person's meal. I'm just like, "Hey, this isn't mine. I think it belonged to the person in front of me or the person behind me, but needless to say, I can't eat this. You know, can you can you give me the one that I ordered? Cuz I would feel bad if I got someone else's food." Which is true. So I've learned that when I have my priorities in order and when I'm taking everything to God first, everything else falls into place even when it's not going right. So that means like I've got the jigsaw puzzle of Leslie's life out on the table. Part of my puzzle includes going to the drive-through of McDonald's, which I love. I love getting a sausage biscuit and a small Dr Pepper for breakfast. I love that. That's one of my treats. I love it because it's just the right amount of protein and enough pep in the morning to make me happy. I guess you could say. <laughs> and also to um, I love drinking a small Dr Pepper in the morning because it helps um, dissolve my vitamins. Because sometimes I have vitamins that are chalky. and I don't like them to just sit on my stomach. So sometimes I have to have a little bit of food on my stomach in order to take a vitamin. But anyway, um I've learned that sometimes my jigsaw puzzle includes me going to McDonald's and yes, I've got this other junk going on in my life that I'm not happy about. And so I'm already under a lot of stress in some ways, right? But when I take it to the Lord, I'm already in fellowship with him like i'm in the presence of the lord whenever i want to be like the moment i say jesus i'm in the presence of the lord like that's how powerful his name is that is amazing that's like you know let's say you have a customer complaint with like a huge wall street company the name of jesus will get you through the door and into that executive's office like that's basically what it's like when when you say the name jesus you're going straight to the ceo basically of heaven 
because it's a father son holy spirit so you don't have to go through customer service you don't have to go through the receptionist like when you say the name of jesus you're already right there in the presence of the lord even in your car even at mcdonald's so part of my jigsaw puzzle technically is being stuck in the drive through waiting for my food I can see there's an issue in front of me with the with the person in front of me, but it's like okay, I'll say a little prayer for them while I'm praying for myself. And also, I started praying for the people that work at McDonald's. I've been doing that for several years. Like wherever I go and have a meal, I pray for the workers. I've been doing that for a long time, and I love doing that. I pray that they get raises. I pray that they don't ever get sick. I pray that they have amazing healthcare benefits. I pray that if they want to go to school, go to college, that they go to a really good college and that's completely paid for. I pray that their family is happy, healthy and whole and that they're doing really well and I pray that they get the house that they want. I just start praying all these prayers for them on top of what I'm praying for. And it is such a blessing because you're you're in the presence of the Lord. That is that is amazing to me. Like once I realized that, I was like, "Whoa." Totally changed my prayer life. because then it turned from me just being upset all the time in my prayer life like i i hate this situation i don't like what's going on like i'm basically complaining to god but here's the thing don't ever shy away from from complaining to god because a complaint is a prayer it's a request and a concern that gets lifted up to heaven and god takes that very seriously but what i love is when i'm taking my complaint to god But I'm also praying for other people and I love that because then it's not all about me. And and I don't say that in a negative way. It just brings me comfort that I realize that I'm not the only one that's suffering. And I want to help others get out of their suffering. I I want I want to see the blessing of the Lord in everybody's life that I meet. Like I don't need to know their all their personal information. I don't need to know their personal circumstances. I can observe from a distance anyway or even up close. But I just start praying for them. And it takes away the irritation so then that that piece of my jigsaw puzzle instead of it being all funky with the drive through, the pieces come together in such a way that it's almost like sunlight starts to shine in. I don't know how else to describe it, but it's like the inside of my vehicle starts to glow. Whenever I start praying for other people, there, there's just a presence there, and that doesn't mean that that your requests are not important. They very much are, but what gives you power in that prayer is first of all the name of Jesus, and number two, when you take your request that's with an S, and you combine it with other believers, that really warms the heart of God. It really does. And even if I don't know what someone believes specifically or even just in general, I know that God made them in his image. Why? Because they're a human being. So I just automatically assume that they believe. I don't know what their level of belief is, but I just assume that I'm always in the presence of a fellow believer because if if I assume or take the attitude that I'm in the presence of an unbeliever and they're no good, or they disagree with me or they're hateful what kind of mindset and attitude am i going to have towards that person that's why i just automatically assume i am in the presence of another believer a fellow believer and everybody wants things to be good in this world that's probably a very large and somewhat uh, unrealistic assumption but it technically is a great thing to do in your prayer life because then you you're really kind of you're defanging the devil really and you're defanging his stupid drones his stupid demons or whatever his stupid fallen angels that chose to go on his team the losers you're technically not giving the enemy any power over you because you you are assuming the best about other people as opposed to assuming the worst that's what really helped me so i pray that it helps you but anyway i will go ahead and end this lovely podcast Um next time we will probably be taking a look at chapter 4 in the first book of Samuel. I already have some things underlined. I love it. It's such a wonderful book. I'm getting so much out of it. So until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy and whole. Oh, I want to go over something with you. Hold on. Just a minute.
I wanted to give a big shout out to my listeners. I I was looking at my list here. So, big shout out. Hold on just a moment cuz you guys are awesome. This is an amazing list to me. Okay, so big shout out to California, Oklahoma, Virginia, Texas, Florida, Tennessee, Ohio, Massachusetts, Minnesota. I love you guys. I love that accent. It's not just Minnesota. It's Minnesota. I love that. You guys are awesome. And then Missouri. I am really impressed with you, California, and here's why. I I would have thought of all the states that didn't want to hear about Jesus, it would be California. And here's why. California, we hear all the time about the nutty stuff that goes on in California. So it doesn't always strike me as, you know, believing in God or, or believing in the goodness of God or being any type of religion. So I'm really impressed with that. That really warms my heart because there are times I hear of these really bad stories in the news about California and some of the things they want to do like um like legislation-wise. I'm like, "Man, sometimes they are just getting further and further away from God, and that's really dangerous because the further away you get from God, um the the more the more difficult your life's going to be and that's a very lonely relationship so California I am so impressed with you I'm so glad to see that there are other believers out there and you guys are in a beautiful state you have one of the most beautiful states that I've ever seen on this continent besides uh Florida and um Rhode Island I think is an absolutely beautiful state but California God bless you I love you so much you guys are great it is so good to see you on this like you guys are actually number 1 in terms of the regions that I look at on my data analytics you guys are number 1 because you have the most listeners listening into this podcast like you guys let me tell you this california this is how awesome you guys are you are beating texas and oklahoma <laughs> you guys are beating the bible belt <laughs> go california you guys are rocking it to the top that is just amazing i love you so much You're just wonderful, but like my mouth just dropped when I was looking at the stats of my show cuz I like to see you know how am I doing in other states or other people listening in and also how am I doing on an international level things like that. California, you are rocking it. You guys are amazing. You are wonderful. So I just want to give a big shout out to you. I just thank you so much for listening in. I I just love it. So you guys really warmed my heart. That is wonderful. So until next time, I pray that all of you are happy, healthy and whole and that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. small